Thank you everybody for joining. This is Pat Gelsinger, CEO of VMware. And today it is my pleasure to be joined by Maribel Lopez, uh, the head of Lopez Research. Maribel? Hey Pat, thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to talk to you about such a compelling and relevant topic for the time. You know, we've been talking to a lot of enterprise clients and within you know, a matter of weeks, companies around the globe had to adopt to this new reality. And you know, we've been discussing strategy with them for remote work, for security, for employee safety. So there's a lot going on. And I know that you've also been speaking with many organizations about how they're dealing with this change. Uh, you know, maybe we could start with you sharing some of the key concepts or strategies that you've been discussing with some of the enterprises that you've been speaking with. Yeah, thank you, Mary Bell. And you know, it truly just has been a spectacular time of history where uh, truly uh, maybe in history, we've never seen such a massive migration of people, right? And uh, all of the implications of that. And really it's humanity learning how to respond and adapt to these extraordinary events of this year. But we also have the opportunity to seize the moment. And as I like to say, never waste a good crisis. How do we use this to truly <laughs> make us better? You know, and I do believe we have the power to be shaping this crisis to make the world a better place, to transform the turmoil of this challenging time and to truly create opportunities for everyone, but also for those who need it most. And, you know, sort of the three sort of strategies that we've said, you know, one is fusing empathy and urgency. And we see that, uh, you know, really approaching a soft heart, but also saying we gotta move, right? And clearly a crisis has caused this potent force for change, but also how we democratize digital access, right? It truly is the only way. And now how we reimagine the very nature of work in this process. What do you think, Maribel? You know, I, I love this concept of seizing the moment because I think that's so important right now. And uh, I think people were moving along at an interesting pace, but you know, once they were forced to do so, they really started to pick up on all these different technology trends we've been talking about, all the new ways to work. But one of the things I think people have not been speaking enough about is that concept of empathy that you brought up. And I think that deserves and requires more conversation within executive teams. I mean, we're entering a new world of hybrid work. Uh, we see that people are starting to focus on employee wellness as an example, whether that's hosting educational programs for them uh, to talk about health and wellness, whether it's mandatory mandating, uh, say, a no work day or a no work week to give employees rest because people seem to be working 724, or reconfiguring schedules and physical workspaces so that people feel safe and they can practice social distancing in a way. So I think this concept of empathy for what your employee is dealing with right now, whether it's family issues, remote education, I think that's, that's something we really need to spend more time focusing on. But I know you also mentioned this concept of, um, you know, when, when you're thinking of empathy, what are you talking about with your customers? Yeah, and clearly the empathy of our employees as well as our customers matter. And our employees, you know, we've done, you know, we created a new policy for pandemic leave. Uh, after we're in it for several months, we did. We took an all-day company off, and I threatened everybody, if I get a mail from you, right, I'm going to fire you. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, because everybody is working days longer. There is no defined commute to begin the day or to end the day. So there really is a need for empathy. 
Right? I, as I've come into people's homes, I call them an ugly combination of a WeWork office and a kinder care. Right? You know, because you know, the kids are home and you know, spouses are working and right, we're trying to do classwork, et cetera. So we really need to demonstrate empathy. I love that. I think it's fundamentally we've seen a reinvention of how everything is done, every industry. No one has been untouched by this. And that sense of urgency that we all had to move through uh, has created some positive cultural change, what you were talking about, you know, the ability to shut hospitals up in parking lots or on ships when, you know, we didn't even think telemedicine was possible. And we used to talk about, will we have enough broadband? Will we have uh, enough people interested in even turning on their video cameras? And here we are. I mean, everybody is doing every manner of video that, that we could talk about. And I think this really starts to speak to the concept of how we're reinventing the future of the workplace. And I've been talking to many customers at Lopez Research about this concept of hybrid work. So there'll be some people that'll be full-time, there'll be some people that are full-time remote, uh, there will be some people that are nomadic, they'll spend a little bit of time in the office, they'll spend a little bit of time at home, uh, maybe someday we'll get back to getting on an airplane and, and traveling. Uh, but in those discussions, I'm seeing so many organizations struggle with how do I think about remote work, how do I think about building culture, uh, what are the pros and cons of some of the things that I'm seeing? And I know that you've been talking to a lot of organizations as well, and I, I know you've heard some of that tension. Uh, what are you speaking to organizations about when you talk about reinventing the future of work? Are we going to have the 100% back in the office that we had before? Yeah, well, I don't think we're ever going back, Maribel. No, and, I don't either. <laughs> you know, and I really think we're going to see 2020 as this watershed moment when flexible distributed work became mainstream and you know the the fact that the crisis that the ep uh, epidemic has uh, forced us to stay here a while people have time to adjust right you know if it was just a few weeks oh, okay then we've snapped back to normal we're going to be here a while so we have to settle into this new normal I now have the opportunity to have more distributed workforces, more inclusive workforces and being able to attract talent that might not have been available to me before. And when I said that you have to move to the Bay Area, it was like, no, now it's sort of like you can live anywhere you want. And they say, yes, right? You know, so we're seeing some of these positives, but you know, as you commented, we also see that there's risks. And the two C's, as I've called them, of the greatest concern would be, can you do culture and can you do collaboration? You know, and those are the two that I think everybody is, ah, boy, can I build culture? Can I have my culture as a business when we're not together? Right? You know, I love some of the things that we're able to do, but can I build culture of who we are? And I think some of that is, hey, we have to learn new techniques to do that. I think there was a lot of fear around um, were there certain demographic groups that wanted to go back and, and others that didn't. Um, and I think we're seeing that there's been a lot of discussion about millennials and other generations coming into the workforce and wanting to have a more remote work style, which I think uh, we had discussed, but we didn't really accept. And now I think we're accepting that 
there are many groups, they are all going to have different ways of working. And the challenge that we're talking about now is that culture that you mentioned, which used to be a very in-person, uh, in-person, in-the-office-centric culture, now has to be morphed to say, when we go back to a hybrid work, everybody's still on the same playing field regardless of whether or not they're on video. And making sure that we do things like be sensitive to time zones and distribute meetings in different time zones is one example for creating culture. So I think that this is just the most fascinating time that we're living through. While it was a devastating way to get here, I think the opportunities are, are clearly there. Um, one of the things I do worry about and wonder about is one aspect we've all struggled with is this new era requires broadband. And we have seen that there have been significant challenges when we look at uh, do our children have the ability to be educated remotely? Can we support video calling wherever someone is? Uh, wireless sounds great, but even that is not all ubiquitously available. And I know that you've actually been talking a lot about this concept of democratizing digital access. What do you, what do you think is going to happen going forward? Clearly, and I've called it democratizing digital access, ends up being a super high priority. As you go think about that, you know, rural broadband, you know, <laughs> uh, inner city broadband. I thought these issues were done, you know, like a decade ago, Maribel. <laughs> and all of a sudden, wow, they're not. It's like, what happened? <laughs> and there's still these hot buttons that people don't have digital access yet. And all of a sudden, when kids are looking to go back to school this fall and they don't have access to broadband, it's like, wow, we cannot have some of the most uh, undersatisfied portions of our economy falling further behind, right? You know, we have to take steps to go do that. So I do believe that there's critical aspects of digital access, of rural broadband. Some of that's going to be, I think, uh, tied up uh, with, um, uh, you know, some of the 5G build out as well as we go attack, right, uh, uh, rural broadband and inner city uh, broadband access. But I see it as imperative that uh, we uh, give everybody digital access, and whether that's for work, whether that's for healthcare, whether that's for education, whether that's for simply how we live, it becomes more important than having access to a road, right? You know, I don't drive most days now, right? But I am on the <laughs> internet every single day, if not every hour of every day. Eh, you know, so there's a few potholes, who cares? Make sure my broadband is working. It becomes that critical to every aspect of society. I think we're reimagining the world in every aspect of it. And that's incredibly exciting and empowering. Well, you know, Maribel, it's been great to spend some time with you in our conversation today. Thank you for uh, joining us, some of the insights uh, to the future. It really is a pleasure to be able to interact with you and talk about the world that we're going to be creating before our very eyes, you know, because we'll have gone through some of the most traumatic changes in history, and they're going to induce us to create a better world for our children and their children into the future. Thank you so much today, Maribel. It's been a pleasure, Pat. Thanks for working with me on this, and uh, I look forward to hearing it. Thank you for listening to Faster to the Future, a limited-run podcast series featuring VMware CEO Pat Gelsinger. VMware software powers the world's complex digital infrastructure. 
the company's cloud, app modernization, networking, security, and digital workspace offerings help customers deliver any application on any cloud across any device. Learn more at VMware.com. For more great VMware podcasts, check us out in your favorite podcast app or visit VMware.com forward slash radius.